Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I wanted to kind of wrap up our stewardship series, and so I have two major parts left. One I'm going to talk about tonight is favor and adversity. And they're the same, by the way. And um, I know. And the other one is authority. So can you lean in to just let me really challenge you and grow you tonight? I really have it's a word of maturity for us tonight. And I know, I know when we're immature, you know, orphans, they get offended easily because, you know, I know it happens. But just say in your heart right now, you're just not going to that I'm trying to, I'm trying to grow you up. You know, just like, just like when you talk to your little children and you want to grow them up, then you're, you can do that, can't you? Yeah. Cheryl, you and uh, Shooty come pass these out for me. It may not be even, but. So this, at the end of my, this series, it's, it's basically going to be like a 16-page um, hand, handout, I think, something like that. Yeah. I've just given to you these a little bit at a time. And I'm going to shoot it over on to, if you want an electronic copy. Do you want an electronic copy? Anybody? Um. I'm going to shoot it over to the tribe text. And if anybody else wants electronic copy, check with people around you if they're not on that text and ask them if they want one. There you go. You'll be receiving that soon. So this is, um, this is pages um, 8 through 8 through 8, 9, 10, 11, 8 through 11, three pages. Can I hand you this? Oh. Almost. It's close, right? Favor and adversity. We all love favor. Right? I, I hope to kind of change some definitions for you tonight. Um, I don't think that we all know what favor and adversity from the kingdom perspective is all the time. Or we would allow it to adjust us more easily. I want to start with a couple of lines. One of the things to remember, Shudi actually was in the green room just telling me about a dream she had, and it goes along with this first little statement, guard well the words of prophecy, the words of life over you. How many have received a prophetic word in here? It's super important to revisit those, to keep those. You know, a prophetic word is this. It's God telling you of something in advance that you're not ready for. And so the moment you get the word, I'm going to talk about a little bit with adversity, it attracts attention from two sources. It's attractive. It's attractive with the host of heaven, with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Or like, oh, it's time. See, it was Colleen's time. Right? right? So that word got released. Uh, she gave me that dream. She was out of town. Remember? Yep. I told her well, to go get her. Remember? <laughs> and she was in Texas, right? But this was the moment. And so then this, he gave me the scripture. So it all came together, bam, bam, bam. But now that's going to attract attention from two parties. One from the host, from the divinity, and one from the enemy. 
And one of the things you have to remember is that when you have a prophetic word or you have a calling, do you have both of those? They're valuable. They're only valuable in the kingdom. You, the more people that you share your calling and your prophetic words with that are not in your camp. I like how Bill Johnson talks about it. He says it's like taking a precious, beautiful, ornate crystal or china. You know, y'all don't know this, but back in the day, my mom has sets of china from her mom's mom and from my father's mom's mom. And I am I could be the recipient of those if I want to, but y'all probably know how I feel about it already. <laughs> Some of you are like but anyway. And it's it that's your calling is is valuable. It's it's has uh, weight and it has uh, longevity. But you share that with someone, it would be like taking that beautiful china and letting a two year old play out in the yard with it. What once was valuable becomes chipped because the person viewing it doesn't see its value. The value changed because someone didn't care for it. And that's pretty much what happened to most of your callings. But you're not there no more. That's right. So there's got to be a day where you stop the dialogue of my mom did this, my dad did this, my somebody, 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 somebody. Everyone's got the dummy wrong song. And so you got to say, but is that now? And not a single one of you in here that has been coming here can say that that's happening for you now. Right? Okay. So that means you have something valuable and you have to guard it. If I could come to your house and guard it and put stuff around it and tell you, and you guard it and you grow it. Write that down. You guard it and you grow it. You have to grow it by repeating it and by getting around people who can increase it. See, what happens is we have a mixture going on to where we have part of our life that's got godly growth going and part of our life that has demonic growth going. Listen, your obedience, he says this, we are perfect, the first statement, we are perfectly designed for obedience. Do you believe that? Your personality, your intellect, your physical being are all designed to obey kingdom principles. To become disobedient violates your design. So let me tell you how this works. Your will is what's trying to be obedient. He designed you to be obedient. Your will. Every time you say yes to the will of God, you exercise a muscle. See, my yes is super strong because I exercise the muscle of yes. Can I tell you, I remember the first time I ever had peer pressure. You know, it doesn't really matter, but in my high school of 2,500 people in more America, two grades, 11th and 12th, 2,500 people. That's a lot of people. I graduated with over 1,000 kids in my class. Can you imagine sitting at the myriad and listen to over a thousand names. That was a five and a half hour process, and that was, and they were like that. But I was super popular because I was the best female athlete. I got the best female athlete award 
and so everybody knew who I was. I was in the paper. But listen, I remember when peer pressure happened. Every in my um, in my team, my senior year, everybody drank but me. It was just known. They'd come to the game drunk. And I injured my knee my senior year, and the coach walked in to the gym where all the girls were on the team, and he said, he said these crazy words, I am sorry I've ruined your season because I made her play, and now she's out for the rest of the year. That, that's what, that was pure prayer. Nobody liked that. Right. Listen, a bunch of teenage girls that no one came over to me and said they were madder oh, yeah. than some wet hens. And I hear they're mad. <laughs> or wet cats, they're mad too, right? right. See, that was, that was the beginning. I remember the pressure. You know, there, there was this thing they had in Oklahoma called Allstate. And you had to go try out for it. Well, I was hurt. So my coach was the president of the All-State Committee, along with a hundred other coaches in the state of Oklahoma. Pam's coach was on that committee from Lindsay America. We graduated the same year. We were in the same program because we went to the same state tournament, even though she was in that podunk school. But anyway... <laughs> What were y'all, 3A, 2A? Anyway, we were like 5 or 6A, and they were 3 or 4A. I don't remember. You know, that's the size of school. He went, and he bargained with them to let me be Allstate, even though I couldn't try out. Never had been done in the history of Oklahoma. Wow. But those girls weren't happy. <laughs> the girls that didn't get Allstate, because, you know, you only had a few spots. Do you see? That's adversity. That's adversity when you're 16 and 17. But see, my muscle, my yes muscle, was always for God, always being obedient, not drinking, not doing the peer pressure, not being mad at them even though they were mad at me. I remember I would come home crying because no one was nice. I had zero friends my senior year, zero friends. Because why? That's adversity. But see, I was designed for a yes in the middle of adversity. See, you wouldn't have known it, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't matter today. I could have drank with them. I could have peered with them, right? Because that would have granted me favor with them. Now you understand why favor and adversity are the same thing. Because, see, I'm designed a certain way when I work with my design. So what did God do? Even though I had adversity, He had people rallying for me. I didn't, I didn't say anything to my coach about, I didn't even care, honestly. I didn't care if I was all say. I didn't care about all those things. But that, he, that was important to Him. I had, He died a few years later, and a coach came to me and said, do you know what he used to say about you? And I said, I have no idea. I, I didn't personally think he was a great man. Like, he would scream and yell at us, you know, not me, but everybody else. 
And he said, he said he would trust you with his life. I only knew that guy 15, 16, 17, three years of my life. That's favor. But right in the middle of favor, I had adversity. They were the same. And see, when I realized that this muscle, see, I, I want y'all to be more resilient. How many feel like they could grow in the area of resiliency? See, Pam and I were super resilient. I've never met two people more resilient than us. Why? Because our yes muscle got exercised in obedience so much. So many times we said yes when everybody else was saying no. So many times we put our name on this building. Just me and her are carrying the weight, the financial weight of this building. We didn't put one life on here. We didn't put your name on there. Our name, because why? It's our yes. Our yes, it's resilient. Because why? We have a promise. What is the promise? That we won't miss the presence. That made me want to sign my name on a $4,000 a month building. That you get to come in here and at the touch of a button on my phone, I made it cooler and warmer for you tonight. You didn't even have to get up and run around or anything. That's, that's abundance because my yes muscle is really strong. And see, since I was designed that way, it, I go naturally with the yes of the kingdom. I'm designed. It feels odd to me. Have you gotten there? Now think about it. If I said yes to the world a lot, yes to fear, yes to the religious spirit, yes to peer pressure, yes to parents or bosses or whoever, yes to girlfriends and boyfriends, right? then that muscle's really strong. So when the kingdom, yes, comes, it's a little hard because I'm like, well, I don't know. What will it yield? Sometimes we want to know what the yes is going to do. No, no, no. See, that yes muscle got exercised so much with the worldly pursuit, the kingdom pursuit feels hard. See, that's what happens with giving. See, it, it's... I've I've been a giver my whole life, so it doesn't make any sense when he says bring a twenty. I'm like, yes. I mean, I don't even I didn't even know what I was going to do with them when I said it. It wasn't. T- I mean, I think the Huffs gave three twenties, and I didn't even know it was going to them. <laughs> but when finally, when I stacked the money up, that's what he said, do. Why? Because I just said yes to the twenty. That's the only part I had. I didn't need to know what I was doing with the 20 when I said yes to the 20. Y'all. So, see, I wasn't calculating the cost. I wasn't saying, what, what was I going to spend that 20 on? Let me think what I was going to do with that. I mean, Roley's sprinting down here, right? Because he's got the yes already. That muscle gets exercised on a $5 bill, on a $10 bill, on a $20 bill. See, if I have to know what's going to happen with it, if I have to know if I'm going to be left out, my yes is weak. Right? And so because of this design, I I really tonight really want to start with adversity. So jump on down to the 
I think it's at the very end, after 1 Kings 11. Do you see adversity there? This is the truth right here. I will respond to adversity based on which reality I'm most aware of. What were they singing about? Looking at Him. Why? Why do we need to look at Him? I become what I behold. Do you believe that? No, do you believe that? Do you believe when you're home watching Netflix, watching YouTube, that you're Netflix in, Netflix out, YouTube in? Do Do you believe that? Or do I believe that when I get along with Him, make myself a little prayer closet, when I get along with Him, and I'm beholding him. I'm 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 making room to meet with him on purpose. That's an individual decision. I can't come over to your house and say, I, "Bud, you need some alone time with Jesus." And I can't use it as an excuse to sleep either. I'm gonna be alone with Jesus while I take a nap. No, this is face to face time where I am bringing to him, and he's speaking to me, and I'm having conversation. I said it earlier a little bit, but Bill says it like this. If I go into his presence to pray and I come out the same, I was just complaining. I wasn't, ma- I wasn't having a conversation. Because there's nothing in this world that you have when you go into your prayer closet that you should come out the same. Because he's bigger than all of it. You just got to go. Right? So when I become more aware of his kingdom, now you may not be raised in a family where anybody's aware of his kingdom. Maybe you're the first generation kingdom awareness person. Shudi and I were talking about that too in the green room because she had to dream about that too. See, when I have been raised in orphan thinking, everybody was. Everybody came to the planet orphan. If your parents didn't recover from their orphanism or their religious spirit, it's the same thing. Then they, they modeled, they imprinted on you wrong definitions of why you're here. Remember what I said Sunday or whenever we were here last? That I like to think of it, this really helps me in my personality and my calling that God, that humanity was here and God thought the enemy's ability to wield his nothingness was no match for what humanity could do filled with him. It didn't make God nervous that the enemy's down here because he lost all things. And see, the one thing you have is authority. I'm going to be talking about that next time. But the enemy only has authority that I give him. And I give him authority by agreeing with his suggestions. And he always, every bit of adversity is from the enemy. God does not use adversity. But God, what does he do when adversity comes? works all things together for something amazing. (laughs) He's like, oh, you thought, Lou, you thought you'd bring that all up in here? You thought you were all big and bad with your little minions? 
You know, Lou's not omnipresent. Wouldn't it be horrible to know that you were like minion numbers 17 billion 22 on the, he's the low imp and he was the one <laughs> suggesting stuff to you and you were believing it and you'd be like, I, I like to look at him like, thank you for telling me what is amazing about to happen because you're stupid. That's all they can do. They can only repeat the counterfeit version of what God's about to do. They see God's hand about to move, and they're like, oh, we were in a board meeting, what, billions of years ago? This is what God did then, but God's changed it. And so I like to look at it like, he didn't think the enemy was any match. I don't even think about him that much. Listen, I can see him thumping on you. It's, he's a repeat offender in the same way. Some of us can hang on to a little, like we get excited about something. You know, this year we're going to start some new stuff because we always do. Every year we get excited about it. And, oh, you know, about March or April, we're like, what? Our, where did our excitement go? We're not resilient. Somebody didn't show up or they didn't come or they didn't seem excited or they were PMSing or something. And then all of a sudden I'm just all, oh, well, I've lost my joy for the calling. Do you remember this next statement? Jesus slept in the storm because of his reality. In his reality, there's no storms. Remember whenever the disciples were out in the boat, what was Jesus doing? Did you think he was sleeping because he was tired? I count because his reality, there's no storms. And so what did he do? Remember, the disciples were like, ah! I know, they were, and more. That's what they did with Jesus all the time. They thought he was a ghost. They thought, where are you? I mean, they were always acting like he was some, you know, less than what he was, scaring them half to death. And he said, they said, we're going to die. <laughs> that kind of sounds like our prayer life. Have you ever been a little hysterical with God? Just remember this story. With the conversation they had, Jesus fixed the problem. But then he looked at him and he said, where's your faith? That's how good he is. He may fix your problem, but he gave you authority in this reality to bring the reality that's greater into it. To change it. That's the challenge. We're not super good at it. All we can look at is what our reality did to us. Caused me pain. Ain't going the way I wanted to go. Didn't get off when I wanted to get off. Didn't get the raise I wanted to get. On and on and on. My wife didn't bring me toilet paper when I needed it. I don't know. <laughs> See... Whenever, this next statement, whenever I've tasted of the kingdom, and see, this is why it's so important to have moments of encounters. Have you tasted of joy? Okay, well, look at that. It's this invitation to what? To a lifestyle. 
all experiences an invitation to the lifestyle. So the enemy wants us to experience crapola, right? And it's an invitation. What does crapola do? It makes everyone super small, super resistant, super offended, super, super small, right? Can't hope, can't dream, don't have courage. Everything's disappointing. Everything's just going to turn out. How many were raised? Don't get your hopes up. Nothing good is going to happen. That is so not kingdom. You're going to have to change something. You personally are ha- going to have to make an adjustment to have John 10, 10 life. You just are. You're not going to be able to carry that same vocabulary, that same thought process, those same um, actions, those same definitions to have John 10, 10. You're just not. So you've got to stamp on what's going on, who it's from. Adversity is from the enemy, no matter what form it comes in. However, God knew he would bring adversity. And he didn't care. This is another statement. When we reduce Scripture down to a doctrine, we miss out on the opportunity to have encounters that lead to lifestyle. It's all about an invitation to do life differently, to have experiences that teach us to partner with the Father and see all things with His perspective. How quick are you? Think about the last thing that felt adverse to you. You know, Lynn missed her hair appointment time today. That She felt that was adverse. Right? Look at she only wanted to look at me. <laughs> <laughs> While she was driving, she called me and she was saying some things. I said, oh, you're giving me a sermon illustration right now. Thank you for this. She is saying th- some things that went along with the attitude of, I messed up. Right. Anybody else have that? Yeah. In that great language that goes with it? Oh, yeah. Man, it just comes, it just flows. <laughs> flows right on out, doesn't it? Yeah. Lynn's an extrovert, double extrovert, so it just flows. And I said, hey, I'm going to preach on this tonight. You need to take your words. And change them before any more come out. It's seeds. And she said a couple other little things. I said, <laughs> take your words. Do something else with them. So she did. I'm assuming she did what mama said, what I said. And guess what? She had a different experience. This is what she said. She won't let me come late. Late? Did I just cut out on that? She won't let me come late. And she was the nicest she's ever been. We go to a double extrovert hairdresser, so you know, sometimes she can she can be a double extrovert on us. So her experience changed. I guarantee you, if she had continued to say then she'd had a different experience. Yeah. Have you ever beat yourself up verbally when you mess up yeah. and then you go get a friend? 
Hey, come here. I want to beat myself up verbally with you. I have some people in my house that do that. I'm like, let's don't do that. Why? Because they're seeds. You will never feel good about messing up as long as your mouth tells you and tells everyone around you how bad you are for messing up. You'll never feel good about it. I mess up so much all the time, and it is great. I love it. I love it when the PowerPoint's misspelled, when the handout has something wrong on it. It's so good because it's so, I'm human. I have no expectation it's going to be perfection. And see, I can't take the Word of God and reduce it down to my experience. It is meant to challenge my experience to line up with it. Right? I already said this, every wind of adversity is not from God. I like these scriptures. It says, so... So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the east, from the west, and his glory rising from of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood. Now, later in life, we decided that God was going to come in like a flood. But whether the enemy's coming in like a flood or God's coming in like a flood, God's flood wins. The Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against the enemy, no matter what size he is. For who? Those that fear the name, what kind of fear is that? Reverence, awe, wonder, wow, you're amazing, you're big, you're doing, you're, you're doing so good at being God. I just like to tell him that on a daily basis. Oh my gosh, you're so good at being God. I don't need to be. I don't need to be. You're going to do this. You're going to raise up something against the flood. Or you're going to be a flood, whichever one it needs to be. Look at Proverbs. If you faint when under pressure... You have need of courage. You're not an idiot. You just don't have courage. So when pressure comes, you faint. Listen, you're going to have this tonight. Tomorrow, there is going to be rain. It rains on the just and unjust. Adversity is coming, and God thought it nothing to let the person who makes adversity live on the planet with you. If you're intimidated by Him, you will faint. If you are fainting, you won't be resilient. And so you will battle in the same place in your mind over and over and over. And people will say, no, don't, no, don't, no, don't say that. No, don't. And you'll just keep doing it and keep having the same experience and you'll never go, you'll never get past it. Your seeds are sowing out in your landscape and you'll run along and there'll be a plant there one day. And that thing will be like, what was that little guy? Jack and the Beanstalk. It'll be a giant plant. And you don't even remember throwing that seed out. It came right out of here. I love this. You know the story of the children of Israel? I'm, I'm being really quick here. This is what it says. When God finally released the children of Israel, this is the verse. And it so happened that after Pharaoh released the people, God didn't lead them by the road through the land of the Philistines, which was the shortest route. 
because God thought, don't you, we have a thinking God, isn't that good? If the people encounter war, they'll change their minds and go back to Egypt, go back to bondage. But if you read a little further, a month or so later, God led them to face the Philistines. So what is the implication? They were ready. You're in the middle of a steam, of a night. You're right in the middle of a battle. You're ready. Because God thinks. He's leading. If I throw stuff out, Captain Obvious, I'll run into Jack's beanstalk all over my life. Everywhere. At work, there'll be, it'll, oh, there, oh, it'll be in the car next to me. Uh, it'll be everywhere. Why? Because my words just built fruit. But see, when God leads, He thinks. I don't know about you, that gives me a lot of comfort. Adverse winds in the kingdom are invitations to a breakthrough. Bill gave this example right here, a sailboat and a rudder. The sail is your heart and heart attitude. So when something blows up against you, give me something that's blown up against you today. Besides this almost missing her hair point, that would have been tragedy. On the world scale, it's major. Anybody had a adverse wind recently? My tires were bald. There you go. Bald tires. Adverse wind, right? Doesn't feel good, does it? I could preach on that. But anyway, what's my attitude towards the adverse wind? That's what catches the wind. That's what catches the sail. I'm stinky. Oh, the enemy's like, oh. And what happens? I blow into another problem. This happens all the time, I'm telling you. Have you ever had <laughs> a little issue? And then five minutes later, oh, another little it. Oh, 10 minutes, stub my toe. Oh, oh my gosh, in an hour, it's like six things. Anybody ever know? That's because my heart attitude didn't catch wind with the Holy Spirit. He would have drove me because he thinks. He'd have drove me right on. And that, but no, that stinky heart attitude got all in there. And look at that rudder right there. Begins to make some declarations. Begins to... Confess what I see, what I saw, what I know, what happened last month. My, 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 my. And see, when I get in a habit of doing that, I go from adverse wind to panic a lot. My trajectory to panic is really short. A little thing, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this blah, 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 bl
Now you may not even be saying it, but if you're thinking it, it's the same thing. Introverts. It's the same thing. What's he doing? He's trying to let what the enemy tried and meant for harm. I mean, the Bible clearly states the enemy came. He lost his place in heaven, came to earth to kill, steal, and destroy you. He can't do that to God. God's not inhabiting here. We are. We are meant to do something with our authority, not just confess what the enemy's doing. We're meant to take what the enemy's done in somebody's life and speak enough words over that heart that it begins to believe again. It begins to be infused with courage again. It begins to say, well, gosh, things might be different for me. Until you get to the point where one day you're like, things are just different. I'm not hoping or thinking it is. God's role in our lives is often limited by our own personal fears. Just do a little scorecard on yourself every now and then. Heaven's up there going, how are we doing today? Let's go naughty and nice, shall we? (laughs) Faith and love. Which column are you in? Faith and love? Are you over here in fear and false confession, credit confession? Which are you? Do a little scorecard. I didn't start with favor because when we're in favor, we're in favor. Hey, hey, they saw me. They gave me a raise. See, all orphans want to be seen. All orphans want to be rewarded. In the kingdom, I know my reward's waiting. I don't need one from you. I've got one from him. And let me help you. It's better than the one you could give me. Approval from divinity is way better than approval from man. When I choose fear over faith, I violate my design. These moments are divinely orchestrated to demonstrate the victory of Jesus. No adversity does God not have a victory for. Big Big or small, it doesn't matter the size. Victory everywhere. Come on, are you with me? Everywhere. Because they're all from the enemy. God knew everything the enemy would pull out of his little trick box. He made him. There's not anything the enemy can do that God would be going, whoa, okay. Got to get together in a board meeting because I don't know what we're going to do about that trick. They're nothing to him. So he uses them to train us. He uses them to strengthen us. He uses them to show us what victory feels like. He didn't cause them, but he uses all things for good. Don't lose hope in the middle of the waiting for the victory. That's where we do it. We're wanting it instantaneously. I mean, let's be honest. We We want to smash our toe with a rock. That's the first thing I said to her, you're in a test right now. I don't know how long the test, what what was the test for her? Not being able to do anything. Not being able to do what she wanted to do. That was the test. It may not have been a test for somebody else. Somebody else would be like, great, nap. (laughs) But not for her. 
And so as it went on a little longer and a little longer and a little longer, what begins to happen? Well, why is this healing taking so long? And I kept saying, what are you going to learn when you can't fix it? In the middle of adverse winds, what are you going to learn? Trust me, what she learned by smashing her toe is invaluable to her next season. Did God cause the smashed toe? Absolutely not. Could he have taught it to her another way? Absolutely he could have. But he works all things together for good. See, we, we can't have this mindset, well, if he was God, nothing bad would happen. That's not even the plan. There's nothing in the Word that says that. We just made that up from our orphan mentality. Why should everything should go good for me? Because I'm on the planet. I don't even make good choices, but I'm on the planet. And it just should go good for me because I'm here. I exist. I breathe. It's like, well, there's that's just a made-up, weird mindset. And you're going to be miserable here. I'm not going to be miserable here. I'm going to have fun and flourish and have life, give away stuff. I'm going to help people. I'm going to, I'm going to always be on. Because I don't have the mindset, well, when's it coming to me? When's mine coming? When do I get, when I get some 20s going vacation? Where am I? Adversity comes from the enemy when my conversation about adversity lines up with the enemy. I empower the destruction. Yeah. You need to underline that because that's really good for you. When I adjust my heart attitude towards adversity, I can see God turning all things to good from adversity. Ooh. Just a turning of the heart attitude. Yes. Trial and difficulty from the enemy's perspective is to dislodge me from what God has said. Where did he do that? In the garden. With Jesus when he was tempted. He's trying to dislodge you. How strong is your resolve to hold on? That's what I said at the very beginning. If you don't know what God said. If you give your God stuff away to people who don't value it. It's going to be chipped and chunked. And when it comes back to you. It ain't going to look nothing like what God said. Someone's going to have chipped away and chipped away and said. And how would that happen? And pretty soon, he's got this little piece of mint. And it's like, I don't even, I don't know. I just, I'll just kick back and see if God does it. That's what we did with prophecy when we were dumb. Sit back and I'll just see if God will do anything. He's sovereign. Oh, I heard that so much. Just, ah. That's not the plan. That's not the plan. Every lie of the enemy comes in two forms. To question what God has said or to question who I am. Which one is he targeting you today? He's going to target one of these two every day. If you don't know who you are and you don't know what God said, it's going to be a long road. You're going to have nicks and bumps and you're going to be you're going to be battling when you should be sleeping. You're not going to be able to sleep cuz you're battling. Two two those two things. When those two foundational truths become compromised in my heart, they put me on a very weak ground to stand on. That's truth right there. That's what adversity 
does from the enemy when I don't see God's perspective. It chips away at my foundation. Have you been there? Don't you hate it? Insecurity is wrong security exposed. What are you going to do when the Holy Spirit comes and exposes you? Exposes your weakness. Exposes where you're a right fighter. Exposes where you're still trying to say, well, my dad did that to me. My mom did that to me. Yeah, but when are you going to say, nobody around here is doing that to me? When your insecurity is exposed, it's just God saying, you're not secure in who I am. My little arm is not short. I am faithful. I am true. I am yes and amen. Remember what I said last week? 7,700 promises. That's more than one a day for a whole year. I'm not a good math girl, but I'm pretty sure... There's maybe two or three a day there. The enemy has no authority over you. He can only get authority from those who have it. Who has it? Humanity. That's who God gave it to. When Jesus came, that's what he did. He got back the authority. And what did he say? Here's the keys. Don't lose it! How did they lose it? They lost it because someone made them question what God said. That's how they lost their authority. Because my authority to do anything on the earth is in the name. Not in my name. Not in my ability. Nothing. Just in my faith in who he is. My faith in the name. The name that's above every other name. I just need to learn to wield it. Are y'all with me? Yes. Now, Bill talked about this story I wanted to repeat, the riding the thermal. He was talking about eagles and how they have this ability, just like with winds in a cell, to ride a place in the sky where there's a wind coming. And it's just like with like a, a plane that's a glider plane. You know, when you know how the thermal wind goes. Now, the thermal wind, you would say, was an adverse wind. But when you learn to position your wing, your sail, your plane, whatever analogy you need, you're going to have the ability to rise above any adversity. Man, when you get up here and you're riding on the thermal, you're looking down going, that was so small. I mean, that thing I was freaking out about was so tiny. Yeah. And, and I love it. He also talked about how an eagle has the ability to look at the sun. And he uses that to his advantage because when a, an adversary is blinded by the sun, he positions himself to be able to take down the enemy. If the enemy can't get me to do wrong things, he'll try to get me to overextend myself in the right things. Then I become addicted to activity versus relationship. Now this is a gradual thing that happens. This is why that religious spirit can't get involved. Because when that religious spirit involved, everything I do is based on what I do. 
if I'm doing for God to hold me securely or to get him to love me, that's not the reason for my doing. All of my doing comes from an overflow of how well I'm loved and I have this abundance I'm stewarding that I need to give away to somebody. I needed to say these things because on his heart is he needs to you to understand what adversity really is. He needs you to change your mind about it. It's an overflow of a life I live, of a yes I said before I knew you. Feasting at the table with Jesus in the middle of adversity. This is Psalms 23. Remember, you're hidden out of reach of the enemy, but not out of you. So here's what God loves to do. Have you had this happen yet? In the middle of adversity, He made a banquet table, and He makes the enemy watch you feast. Have you ever had someone say something bad about you? Has anyone ever had somebody that was true or untrue? Doesn't matter. God wants to invite you to feast as a son right in the middle of somebody saying something bad about you. Come and feast right in the middle. And look at the, watch the, see, that's the whole problem with the enemy is he wanted to be a son. He wasn't made to be a son. He was made to be an angel. And they're not sons. Only humanity gets to be a son. With rights of a son. So the very thing the enemy's trying to trick you with is because he can't be what you are. Ever. And so he'll twist and manipulate people that love you here. You know, we all came from a background of orphan parents, probably, at some degree. It feels weird when your parents trying to get something from you, the child. That's backward parenting. That's, it doesn't flow that way in the kingdom. The kingdom, it flows from the head down. The parents leave an inheritance for the children. That's why you want to be a son. You can't get it from your parents. They didn't have it to give you, but you're a son of the provider of all things. So receive your inheritance. You don't have to do anything but receive Him. And then you are invited into the sonship where you have no needs. And then you become a provider for other people who have needs of orphans just like you did. And then you stir that and He gives you more. And you stir that and it never ends. And you keep thinking, well, how? Remember Cheryl said, I think the other day, she said, well, I was, I'm already given. And then she got, what was it, 15 times yes. back. That, I mean, that's just happened here. They gave 320s and they got more than that back. I mean, it doesn't always just happen dollar for dollar. That's not the point. 
The point is, he has more than enough, and I don't. And the way, the way for this sonship thing to work is I give when he says, and he keeps giving, and I keep distributing it, and I keep distributing it. When I start hoarding and I start getting scared, then I've shut down the flow from him. That's why you have to. That's why you can never not tithe. It's the one place where he said that you could test him. He didn't say that anyplace else. See if I won't pour you out of. See if I won't. That's what he said. That's his words. But you first have to keep the house going. That's your that's your mission on earth. First, make a place where people can come. It was here when you came. Make sure it keeps going. When I die, you got to make sure it keeps going. Or if I die and you're not, it's, you don't own it, it will die with you with me. Is that really what we want? Is there anyone in here that wants to not let it die when Pam and I die? We're going to die, and you'll still be here. And your children, yes, it's true, and your children will still be here. It's not a bad thing. You can keep it going. You can be us. Yes. And so you've got to have that mindset. How can I own yes. what, some, what, what, that's what he said. It's a storehouse that fixed you. Yes. <laughs> that made you whole. That made you have purpose. That made you have promise. That made you believe you could hear and speak and talk with the living God. Don't let it die. Yeah. Jared said he saw this picture today. Well, he was in here in pre-worship, and he said a bunch of people were all lined up in a very systematic way, and they all had a jersey on. I like that a lot. <laughs> was number one on it. Because why? We're all number one. We're all sons. In the kingdom, there's not male or female. There's no positions. We're all, what, just captivated by the presence. Just want others to be captivated. Don't you want someone else to experience what you've experienced? You may not be super good at it, but you still want them to. Remember, you're out of reach, but not out of view. Learning to turn my focus on who is watching and working on my behalf. That's what we're doing right now. We're talking about it. Right now, I'm telling you stuff that will tweak your focus. Just like when you're looking through... Some binoculars, you know, Cece's got binoculars and now she's got a telescope. And I mean, we're just needing to see stuff far away, I guess. <laughs> just anything we can get. She got a new lens for her, but not her telescope. I can't even keep it all straight. And so I'm, you know, with my three lenses and my one eyeball, it's good. I'm looking, looking, looking. And I saw Saturn's rings. And I said, that's worth it. It was about that big, but I could see a ring I'd never seen like that before. And I said, I like this thing. That's the perspective of the kingdom. All kinds of other stuff, but can you get you one good eye, get the right lens, and can you see the hand of God working on your behalf? Are you going to be distracted by chaos? There's always going to be chaos, but not around me. There's not chaos around my life. Have you ever been in my house? There's not chaos. Well, the dog's a little bit, but there's no chaos. There's no chaos. 
because I have to keep focusing. Difficulty and persecution are attracted to the word spoken over you. Difficulty and persecution are attracted. Difficulty and persecution are attracted. As a dream that, see, that uh, what's your name had? Wounded foot girl. Listen, why is that? And how does that make you feel? Have you ever gotten strong enough where old things that were difficult aren't difficult? Remember when you just didn't even want to have a shower or make your bed? Remember those days? Cece got Pam a one-pound weight for Christmas so she could use it as a sermon illustration. (laughs) How many have seen themselves advance? You know, when you do something hard and then you want everybody to know about it? I worked all day, and you want everyone to know. That's that's maybe a two-pound weight. I don't know. See, we're, we're growing in our expectation of ourselves, of our resiliency that says, I can do hard stuff. What was that? I got a, what is that? Apron for Christmas. It said, I cook stuff and I know stuff or something like that. You know stuff. Change your vocabulary to go with where you want to go. Do you want to be more resilient? How many want to be more resilient? How many don't want to just be knocked around by? That's those doctrines. That's those, what is a doctrine? It's just the way someone else believes. And it comes along and says, I mean, you can always find somebody that says, oh, you work so hard. If you come to me, I'm going to be like, work harder. And smarter. Why? Because you're going to feel good when you're 35 and 40 years old and 50 years old and you know stuff and can do stuff. Yes. I can show you almost anything. And so why? Because I just tried stuff. Do you think I was good at designing the first? I mean, the first house I designed was my mom's house. And we painted the outside of her house. Oh, gosh, two shades of green that are basically in that tree picture back there on the outside. She came home. <sighs> She's a melon, you know. She wanted tan. But my dad and I were so proud. The two, two same ones out there, happy that we had painted that two-tone greenhouse on that beige brick. We, we painted that brown right away. Why? Because it wasn't a gift. See, I wasn't good at it. It ruined me for life. My mom still don't think I'm good at design. But anyway, that's Okay. <laughs> Sometimes we just can't get over it. (laughs) Difficulty and persecution are attracted. Love you, Mom. Are attracted to the word spoken over you. It must because without it, you will have no opportunity during the journey to make rewardable choices. Listen, that's the goal. That's the goal. Now, just, just to end really quick. I know I'm going over a little bit of time, but I... Favor is for a different reason than you think. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and He will what? Add. What were the things He was talking about? Food, shelter, clothing. Okay? So favor is not for that. Your raise at work is not for food, shelter, clothing. If you'll change that one mindset, I can help you. 
If it's for food, shelter, clothing, you're going to stay in an orphan mindset your whole life. Are you seeking first? That's the first question you have to answer. Favors for something else. This is a really good way to say it. The kingdom realm is the kingdom is made up of realms that are meant to be experienced. Okay? When you come here, how many have ever experienced his presence? How many in, in the in the room you felt something about God you hadn't felt before? That's a realm. Okay? That's a realm. It's meant to be re-experienced. What does it do? It opens up, let's just call it a portal, a door, portal, whatever. It opens up the mindset that this is something new. Right? right. That's repeatable. Now, it doesn't have to even just be here. But see, for it to be repeatable, I have to make opportunity for it. So if I have that experience and I go home and I just listen to headbanger music or I listen to some sort of country music, <laughs> sorry, some worldly music, let's just go with that. I've opened up a realm yes. and I experienced the spirit behind that music. I'm telling you, this is just reality because Lucifer was a musician. So that's why that. And so the reason why you experience something here is because there's pure worship. Why is it pure? Because people made their hearts pure and they developed unity to produce it. We didn't have it for a long time. Okay? So it, this is the same way with favor. When God opens up favor, it's nothing for you. If you could just get this, this could really help you. This favor is for distribution. I, I wrote a bunch. Favor is meant to drive us into our design and destiny, which finds its fullness in covenant and relationship. Those are all important. See, because we can't help it as humans when we get favor, we would do something with it for us. If you win the lottery, you would go buy a bunch of cars if you have a worldly mindset. Because why? That's whatever you ascribe as as rich or as um, looks cool you you spend your time and money towards it because it has value in your system and so favor it says it says this anything that drives me away from covenant and relationship in my people by design is a misuse of favor Favor with God, maybe from an encounter with people, maybe a promotion or advancement, is never for me. Say it. It is never for me. But to connect me with what He wants to impact. So that's why I try to tell the girls at Desrim, if you will come and you will commit to giving us a year of your life, fully committed. It's really, really hard. Sid and Judy have done this, but fully committed that this is where God is training you. God will open up portals of things and realms of things that you will not see. He doesn't care. I mean, Jesus was a carpenter for 30 years. He doesn't care what your vocation is. He cares how you advance him in it. He said he was going to take care of food, shelter, clothing. This is favor and impact must be refined in a community of connected leaders who want to reform people, cities, and nations to become a resource to those who are not in the kingdom. 
That's what favor's for. And listen, it has to be refined. Listen, favor is an impure product in you. Just like when I was 16 and I got all that favor, I had to do something with that or I would have got the big head. Have you ever had the big head? Ooh, that's just ugly. Acting like I'm breathing on my own. That's really what it comes down to. This breath that I'm doing right now, I got it myself. Because I'm on the planet. I got nothing you could do of yourself. Right? So listen, favor is for impact. Adversity is for refining. They go together. They're the same thing. Favor is not given to me for me, but to impact the people I'm around. It's part of my destiny to follow God where he leads. He leads me to the places he wants to give me favor, to love the people at that location like he wants to love them. You just have to ask yourself that question. At work right now, are you loving people like God would? If God was with you every day in your little car, are you loving people or are you just getting it done to get to the next destination, which who knows what that is, lunch, home, right? You have to realize He's granting you the ability, which is favor, to stir it well to do something with it. It's not for you. It's not for you to get a prize or an accolade or get on TV or nothing. It's for you to impact people with His love. And if you're not loving well, then you're misusing your favor. And you have it. You have favor. All of you do. Don't make excuses for the favor of God. Don't turn the favor of God into a self-expression for yourself. There is a tension both in favor and trials. Both drive us somewhere. Both are meant to drive us deeper into Him. Without the right understanding of favor, favor can lead to self-promotion. How many of you have ever had that happen? Man, you didn't want to. But you were just puffing. You just got all big. Ain't like you did it. Look what I did. Look, I did it. I did it. You didn't do it. Since when my definition of why I have favors off, I will miss the point of favor. And I must learn to monitor my heart, my words, my attitude. These things can set the course of my life. Now listen, you can read those scriptures, but I just want to point out this one thing. That King Solomon is such a great story. The same thing happened to him that happened to Adam and Eve. God, because of his father, granted him. Remember when he asked what what he wanted? He wanted wisdom. God granted him wisdom, right? But God granted him favor with other nations, but he just had one stipulation. You cannot marry any foreign wives. Isn't that crazy? Maybe you would have said you cannot have ice cream anyplace else. He probably would have had all the ice cream in the world. That's what we do when God says a no. It's like we crave it. It's like, I got to have that. That's where addiction comes from because I don't understand. And so what did he do? It says it right there. You can go read 1 Kings 11. But he literally made what, what kings did in that day was they would make treaties with other countries by marry intermarrying. So that that king, like if if I married the king's daughter, then, you know, that king would protect my land, right? But God wanted to be the king. Wow. Yeah. He wanted Solomon to be a son. 
but he gave up his sonship for other women. And, and even it says in right there, first Kings 10, it says, um, basically God gave you this favor because of his love for Israel. Right. So see, think about it. Whatever favor you get is because of his love for whatever the target is. So don't then go rearrange and try to move yourself into position to get something you already have. That's what we, I wish you could get this. That's what we do with favor. See, we, we, we don't remember how we got there. You didn't get there by anything on your own. And so don't, don't, don't try to manipulate the system of something that you already have been freely given. And so he's such a great example. And, and the last two things I want to say is the more favor you have, it's right there under first Kings. Please go read first Kings 11. The more favor you have, the more costly your sins are. And I'm responsible for the wake that I create. So listen, wherever you have favor, you create a wake. If you mess up with your favor, you create a wake. You know, a great story is if a boat is fixing a dock, it drives down a little peninsula and it's called the no wake zone. Have you ever seen that? That's because if you drive a big boat down there and you drive it fast, what happens? It creates a wake, and what happens to the little boats? It, it hits, it makes them, and it damages them. That's what happens when we use favor in the wrong way. Are you with me? So you you begin to drive your boat too fast where you were in the no wake zone. What's the no wake zone? Something smaller, or weaker than you. And they're all around you. People that don't know him, they're smaller, or weaker than you. People who haven't experienced his presence, smaller, or weaker than you. Don't, don't drive your pride filled boat by what you've experienced where there's a no wake zone and be aware that that favor is not for that. Do you, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. I think I'm done. It's good, right? Yeah. So listen back. Read the rest of the handout. Let me pray over you. Right now, I just want you to think about anything I've said tonight you can make an exchange for. Just some definition or some way you've been leaving, living or acting. And tell him, say, I, I had to go to him and say, I want to change the way I see adversity. Because I didn't want anything bad to happen to me. And I realized I had this power over it. And I wanted to walk in victory. So right now, just in your humble position, just say, Papa, I just release to you just anything you can think of that he's revealed to you tonight. I release to you where, where I've hung on to favor for myself. I was trying to get attention for myself. I was trying to get something for me. And I let go of my bad definitions of adversity right now. And I make an exchange with you. And I say, I give you all of this that I just wasn't taught. I just know you weren't taught, and it's not bad. But I want to learn from you. I want to do what it says. I want to be schooled underneath leaders that love your ways. And so we just release that to you right now. We ask that you come and you make an exchange with us right now and redeem us into the power of your word. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.